Welcome to Beyond the Board, a podcast that explores the themes and real-life inspirations behind our favorite games. On today's episode of Beyond the Board, we'll be discussing the game Competition Kitchen. Competition Kitchen is a food-themed party game designed by Kevin Reeder and Joe Gennaro and is currently on Kickstarter. Competition Kitchen is for 3-7 to seven players and a typical game takes 30 minutes to play. The theme of today's episode is the history of the competitive cooking show, Iron Chef. Enjoy the episode! Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. I'm Mike Riemann. And I'm Spencer Campbell. And this is Beyond the Board. Oh, I love it. I love it. Now I said it like that for a reason, because uh, we're discussing the game Competition Kitchen today. That's right. Competition Kitchen is a competitive food show game, essentially, in card form. It's a party game. It's on Kickstarter right now, so this is kind of a slightly different episode than we've done before. You can't go buy this on retail shelves just yet, but... We love this game. We got a chance to meet the game creators at a, a Kickstarter launch party here in Chicago. Had a great time with the game. We're actually going to post an interview at the end of this uh, this particular episode uh, to, to kind of talk to the one of the designers about it. But it was just such a fun game. We had to do an episode about yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. So if you are familiar with any of those, those competitive cooking shows on Food Network or any of those kind of networks like Iron Chef or Master Chef or... Uh, chopped or any of those kind of things where people are competing with dishes and there are judges. Uh, that's what this game is about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we're not going to do like a full description of the details of the game because, frankly, Kevin can probably do a lot better of that mm-hmm. uh, since he is one of the game's creators. So, go ahead and take a listen to the interview if you want the full description. But the basic idea: it's a food competition show. You're going to have cards that have various ingredients. You're going to be putting together a dish based off of a challenge that a judge presents to you. You have to kind of creatively on the spot make up a dish that is going to satisfy the weird constraints that the judge is going to have put onto all the players. Mm-hmm. And he adds a little twist to where he does have a secret ingredient, much like Iron Chef, and then there's also a challenge that goes along with it that you kind of have to theme your dish around. And there's different ways to play it. And um, like we said before, listen to the interview and you'll learn definitely more about uh, the the game itself and the inspirations that Kevin's had behind the game. Mm-hmm. We had a we just had such a fun time playing this game uh, at the at the launch party that we wanted to make sure that we put an episode out there while the Kickstarter was still going so that people could go and back it now while you still have a chance because it is it is a very fun game if you love food if you love any of those competition like any of those competitive cooking shows this is a game that you will definitely definitely love or if you have a friend who happens to love cooking too that's always a like if they're really into cooking and really into nice ingredients it's a great gift it's too. an awesome gift. that's a great point it's yeah. a really cool gift so since we are talking about competition kitchen today uh we decided that we would focus a little bit on the tv show that inspired it all iron chef yeah and iron chef is one of the original like competition cooking shows i think the original i think so generally that's it's regarded as the original it is it's a lot older than i i thought it was it's it's pretty it started in 1993 i was really excited when we decided to talk about iron chef because uh, i think i've told you about this every year i do an iron chef battle with Mm -hmm. my mom as part of a like an annual holiday event uh sort of gift and so I was so super excited when we were decided we were going to talk about Iron Chef today because it's a thing that's close to my heart. <laughs> it's what got me into cooking in the first place. I was going to say, if you uh, didn't decide to get your doctorate, you would have gone to culinary school, right? I probably would have. Which is pretty crazy to me. Yeah. <laughs> I so, can cook maybe a waffle. <laughs> you cook a mean waffle, though. Uh, that's true. They're pretty mean. So we should probably describe what Iron Chef is in case you've never seen the show. Uh, first of all, go find some episodes of it because it's great. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, what is Iron Chef? So Iron Chef is competitive cooking show. And the idea behind the show is that these cooks would come to this basically arena that mm-hmm. was built inside this guy's castle. There's a great narrative that we'll get into behind yeah. the, the story of Iron Chef. Yeah, and all these all these cooks and these chefs, uh, whether they're home cooks or they're from restaurants, they, they come and they compete against what's called these Iron Chefs. And these mm-hmm. Iron Chefs are supposed to be these top chefs uh, that basically all stand in a line, and whoever's ready to compete picks which Iron Chef mm-hmm. they want to compete against. And each Iron Chef is... Uh, like they specialize in a certain type of cooking. So yeah. like one's Japanese, one's French, one's um, I think they eventually add an Italian, yeah, Chinese, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. They have, they have all sorts of iron chefs, and it's yeah, it's a competitive cooking show where they are in an arena, and the the once the the two combatants have been chosen, 
a secret ingredient is revealed and they they make it you know on the show look like the secret ingredient has just been revealed and we'll get into the details of the whole secret ingredient a little bit later on but a secret ingredient is revealed and the chefs then have a certain time limit to prepare dishes that incorporate that ingredient that really showcase it use it in a unique way and eventually they present it to some judges who will taste it they'll judge it based off of a whole bunch of criteria and a winner will be announced mm -hmm. and the secret ingredient can range anywhere from octopus to eel to um i think potato was mm -hmm. one of them or even sometimes bacon and so it's not necessarily something completely ridiculous all the time but sometimes it really is kind of wild and crazy yeah it's, it's it really is a range and they they generally don't know exactly what to expect, mm -hmm. but we'll we'll talk about that in a second. We you mentioned this. It's a it's in a castle. It's in a, <laughs> a an arena in a castle. And the the show was originally Japanese, uh, so it premiered in 1993, and they put out tons and tons of episodes while it was out in Japan. And uh, there's a there is an interesting story if you if you kind of listen in uh, to what's going on there is a there is a man uh, his name is Takeshi Kaga, Kaga and he is known as Chairman Kaga <laughs> and he has built what is called Kitchen Stadium in his castle yeah first of all he has a castle yes that's an important <laughs> note uh, but he's actually also the chairman of the Gourmet Academy in Japan. Uh, so he, I maybe that's why he has a castle in the first maybe. place because he's got enough money. Um, but he he creates this idea that he brings the best chefs to compete uh, from around the world. Uh, and I think he quotes, "Tell me what you eat, and I'll tell you what you are." There are a lot of fantastic <laughs> quotes that are used throughout, especially the Japanese version. Mm -hmm. uh, if you watch the dubbed version uh, you can ca kind of get an idea of it it's very campy very over the top very zany he, and fun he it's comes out great. in these crazy outfits oh it's awesome uh, these bright colors and i think he's the best picture is him uh i think the well-known picture is him uh, sort of look like he's biting into a, a big yellow pepper it's great <laughs> while wearing this like yellow and blue <laughs> uh outfit i don't even it's this really lavish ornate yeah. outfit so there's, um, over the top, though. Yeah, it's great. And so he's the chairman. He runs the, the kitchen stadium, and it was basically his goal to challenge chefs from around the world against the chefs from his gourmet academy and his top, top chefs, who are the iron chefs. Mm -hmm. And so people from around the world are encouraged to come to his castle, come to his stadium, and dare to challenge the iron chefs in these scenarios that he has kind of orchestrated mm -hmm. and so during the show basically there's there's a whole like intro to the character picking the iron chef revealing of the secret ingredient and then they cook and most of the show is about cooking and they talk about the different techniques that they're using mm -hmm. and the different ingredients and like crazy things that they might oh my gosh i can't believe they're doing this or oh somebody accidentally cut their finger like it's an actual play-by-play in this sport of competition cooking it really is like a sports commentary sort mm -hmm. of thing where they have a handful of individuals who are responsible for like in the booth commentary mm -hmm. like kind of from the top down looking and making comments on like the overall structures and schemes and then the... you have somebody on the field exactly in the, in the midst of all this cooking and they uh the iron chefs also have like two sous chefs as well that mm -hmm. will help them out uh with different ingredients so they're not doing everything themselves but uh the main idea behind everything is is based on this chef or the iron chef whoever's cooking the Iron Chefs are interesting. So when they started the show, there were three of them originally. All Japanese-born, but they had, like you mentioned, a specialty that they were, like a particular type of cuisine that they were really good at. So they had an Iron Chef Japan, or Iron Chef Japanese, Iron Chef Chinese, and Iron Chef French. Mm -hmm. Those were the original three. Eventually, they added an Iron Chef Italian uh, a little bit later on. Now, these are all Japanese-born uh iron chefs they just specialized in each one of these cuisines right so they weren't actually chefs from china or french or france <laughs> or italy the great country of french uh but they were they were japanese chefs who who trained in that style and there were there's some like if you go and look there are statistics and everything just like you would expect in a sports in like any kind of sport where an athlete like you know a, a baseball player has rbis home runs and everything like that there are 
you know, win rates and win percentages yeah. and ties and everything like that for the Iron Chefs as well. So there are some stats out there that you can go pull your, of your favorite athletes, basically. Exactly. Your culinary athletes. Like, I wish there were Iron Chef cards like there are <laughs> baseball cards. <laughs> I'm, sure, be... I'm sure somebody's I know. That. We should have looked those up. Um, okay. sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> well, the best, the best winner of, like, in terms of a win percentage in the original Japanese version... Uh, was it Iron Chef uh, you, uh, you, Yutaka Ishinabe? Uh, he was Iron Chef French uh, at the time, and he had an 87.5% win rate. So he won nearly everything. The problem is he only competed for one season. So mm. he had, like, one shot at, you know, getting a bunch of wins, and then he's like, and I'm stepping down from my <laughs> role as Iron Chef. Uh, so it's a, it's a high win percentage, but it's also a little bit skewed. Uh, did you did you watch Iron Chef America? We'll talk a little bit about that. I think I watched Iron Chef America more than I watched uh, Iron Chef uh, yeah. Japan, because, or the original Iron Chef. And I think that's how I got to know who Bobby Flay was mm-hmm. and and the whole spectacle of Iron Chef. And I didn't realize it was more like uh, uh, Tamika's Castle. Is that mm-hmm. what it is? Or like, a, what is that? Most Extreme Elimination yeah. Challenge, yeah, where it was exactly. so over the top. Uh, because I think... In the American version, which we'll get to later, it's a lot less, it's toned down from the ridiculousness of the Japanese version. Yeah, but if you do watch the American version, there is a, a chef that you might be familiar with, the, the Japanese chef in Iron Chef America, uh, Masaharu Morimoto. He was one of the Iron Chefs in Iron Chef Japan, mm-hmm. uh, he, so he would eventually appear on Iron Chef America. And he had about a sixty-seven percent win which percentage, is which is still good, pretty good, especially since he like he didn't just complete one season and do it; like he was consistent yeah. for a while. So the, the the Iron Chefs they had kind of a rotating cast of them. They would occasionally retire, and they or, would become honorary Iron Chefs. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but it it all started with these three, and then they kind of slowly incorporated more, rotated out the the best of the best, mm-hmm. and they, like you said. They they battle against these competitors in a in an arena like sport. Mm-hmm. So let's let's describe that sport yeah. a little bit more. So it's it was originally ninety minutes long, and the way to earn the Iron Chef title was you have to you had to win against Iron Chefs twice. So you'd mm-hmm. have to come back for two episodes to earn that Iron Chef title while having ninety minute long episodes. So that wasn't as popular. So they dropped it down to sixty. And then you would just beat the Iron Chef. Right. Is how that would work. Um, and then, so the idea was that you had your secret ingredient, but they were told basically like a list of different ingredients that they would have possibly gotten ahead of time. And then they would submit all their ingredients to the producers, and the producers would buy whatever ingredients based on what the actual secret ingredient was. So they kind of had an idea a little bit yeah. going into it. There were there were options kind of presented to them. Not that they got to choose which Mm-mm. secret ingredient would happen, but they would say, hey, here's three to five possible themes that we're thinking about going with. What are some absolute like necessity ingredients that you would need to accomplish these themes? And yeah. then the chefs would be able... That's why they have a stack, you know, a stock pantry that has seemingly anything you could ever possibly need. They'll, they actually have prepared a little bit ahead of time for that. Yeah. So uh, so when you actually make the dishes, there's no required number of dishes. Uh, you can actually make just one big dish if you want, but a lot of people make three different dishes for everybody. I think the, the record of dishes being made is eight. Eight, yeah. yeah. Iron Chef uh, Mishiba. Mishiba. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, but you have to make five servings of whatever dish. So if you make if you make three dishes, you have to make five servings of each of those dishes. So the chairman and all four judges can eat. Yeah. So they're actually making these dishes on the fly, pretty much. Like they're the, the secret ingredient is revealed. They have a a, a moment to discuss. In mm-hmm. the Japanese version, they have five minutes to talk with the the Iron Chef talks to their sous chefs, their two assistant chefs, and says, "All right, here's the plan. Here's what we're gonna do. Here's how we're gonna execute it." Then they go cook. And then they make these things, and they have to make them big enough because you said there's five people that they have to serve. There's the judges, then they got to feed the chairman. Mm-hmm. He's he's the host. You got to make sure he's fed. And he's he's not actually a judge. He's just he's the host. He's considered the host. Uh, but he he does decide ties if anything like that were to happen. Yeah, he's he's there was like an actual like a very important moment in one of their biggest episodes where he stepped in. He's like, I hope you don't mind this selfish act, but. 
I will break this tie. Like, it was oh, extremely overly <laughs> dramatic and everything. It was great. Um, but, yeah, they have to make a lot of each of these dishes. It's not like we could just make a quick sandwich and then, like, push that sandwich and have all the judges eat from the same thing. They have to make multiple. That's what I would make. I would make a sandwich. Make a sandwich every time. <laughs> and then sandwich. But it's the best damn sandwich you've right. ever had. And and it's it's the Iron Chef and the the you know the challenging chef and their sous chefs and the sous chefs, there's generally they're 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 amicable and they work with the challenging chef well. There was actually one instance where the sous chefs didn't speak English and the challenging chef was an English speaker uh, who didn't speak Japanese, <laughs> and so there was a real trouble right there in terms of trying to like, can you imagine how chaotic it is already, for sixty minutes to cook. X number of dishes, but to have the two people that you're counting on, like, you can't really communicate. You got to use a lot of gesture and, like... And generally, you're not bringing your own sous chef. Like, right. You're, you're provided their, like, sous chefs from them. Cause, because the chairman has that gourmet academy that he's running. And exactly. so this, this is all part of his master scheme in his castle <laughs> to kind of train the best chefs from around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot of commentary and analysis throughout all the uh, throughout the actual competition, and you, like we said before, you got the guy on the ground mm-hmm. uh, who's who's actually named Kinji Fuki, uh, Fu- Fukui. Yeah, uh, you you would say it better. I don't know, uh, and he's he's actually on the ground, basically reporting for this uh, competition. But then there's also a commentator mm-hmm. that's uh, Dr. Yukio Hatori, and he actually became the commentator, which I found was really interesting, was him and uh, Kaga actually had a gentleman's agreement. And if if uh, Dr. Hattori loses uh, an Iron Chef battle that Kaga sets up for him, he has to be the commentator for the rest of the series. And that's why <laughs> Dr. Hattori is the commentator for the remainder of the entire uh, Iron Chef series, which I thought was really kind of funny. I think this is why... The Iron Chef Japanese version has such a special place in my heart because there's these incredible undertones of narrative that are going on. <laughs> like there are these like elaborate backstories between all the characters. It's it's fantastic. Uh, and Dr. Hattori, just to mention, he he's the uh, scholar and founder of Hattori Nutritional Co- Nutrition College. Mm-hmm. Um, so he adds a lot to it by knowing all about these foods. Yeah, and the American version has an equivalent of that. We'll talk a little bit about when we get to the American version. Mm-hmm. So they make these dishes. It takes them 60 minutes max, and it usually does go to the last second mm-hmm. to get that last bit of plating down. At least according to TV. Yes, according <laughs> to TV. It is the very final one second left. They get it all put together, and then they, they bring it before the, the, the judges to be... To be judged, to ultimately declare a winner. Mm -hmm. And they judge on taste, presentation, and originality. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there's a whole point system that they have. Uh, They can be awarded up to 20 points, uh, 10 points for taste, 5 for plating, and 5 for originality. Um, And then, of course, the chairman eats along with them, but the judges are ultimately the ones giving the points. Yeah, the chairman might, like, kind of inspire conversation amongst, amongst the judges or, like, point out things that they like or they dislike, but... They're not actually allowed to put any points in, like you said, unless there's a tie situation. Which happened, like you said, but on specifically the 2000th dish episode. Yeah. So it was maybe might have been like a... (laughs) All part of the story, man. It's all part of the story. Uh, But yeah, as you might imagine, taste is important. Plating the appearance of the dish. And then originality is really that idea of, is this a unique use of the ingredient? Or did you just take eggs and make scrambled eggs that's not a very original creative use of an egg how could you use it in a way that's very different mm-hmm. or would stand out to the judge mm-hmm. and if there is a, a tie and they really can't decide the winner they'll have overtime competitions which last for about 30 minutes longer and there's a new secret ingredient that's introduced and they'll uh, they'll go again basically yeah i, I didn't even I, I didn't know that that there's that kind of the possibility of an overtime tie and they, they then air that on a separate episode so it's not in that same episode too because like you would know if it's 30 minutes into this hour long show they're already judging and there's a tie you're like well that's weird i guess there's more time for them to do more stuff but like it will go the full episode, and then it'll be like, and it's a tie. We'll see you next week to see how it resolves. Dun, dun, dun. It's all very, all super dramatic. I love it. So what is the what does the winner get? Do they get cash prizes? Do they get, what? what, what exactly is at <laughs> stake here? So originally, 
like I mentioned before, in the ninety-minute-long one, they they would win, they would beat the two, and they don't actually get the Iron Chef position. They get a title that's called Honorary Iron Chef, mm-hmm. which eventually, like we mentioned before, went to the people who actually retired as Iron Chefs. Right. So they got rid of that title for the winners, and instead they became a sixty-minute-long episode. And uh, Kaga says that what you actually win is the people's ovation and fame forever. So you yep. don't actually win anything. <laughs> you just win pride, more just, or less. Yeah, it's an honor much. thing. It's, yeah, but it's, it's. I mean, it's such, it really is, though. Right. Because if you can compete against these judge or these chefs who are like, they're not they're not holding anything back. They're trying to beat you. Right. Because their honor is at stake as well. They've, mm-hmm. been, they've been deemed to be one of the very best, and they're not going to let anybody possibly come near them. Mm-hmm. And so it is really a battle out there. And so the series went from 93 to 1999. There were a few episodes that kind of aired afterwards. The final, like the series finale of it, was actually a three-way battle between the current Iron Chefs. And then the the winner of that would go on and face a French chef in a like the final, final battle. And it was actually Iron Chef French, uh, uh, Sakai. He, he won against his three, or, you know, his two other Iron Chef... Uh, <laughs> Brothers in Arms, I guess, <laughs> uh, and then he won the whole thing and became King of Iron Chefs. King of Iron Chefs. <laughs> and so the show was incredibly popular, and it inspired since then multiple versions of it around the world. There's Iron Chef America, which we'll talk about, but there's Iron Chef of a whole bunch of different Iron countries. Chef UK, I know that. Yeah, and so we're not going to go through all that list, but we'll we'll talk about Iron Chef America a little bit here because. This is the show that you probably have easiest access to at mm-hmm. this point in time. It is on the Food Network, or they show episodes of it, reruns of it all of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's a very this was one of the this was the show that I walked in on and saw on the TV, and I was like, that looks really cool. I want to start cooking. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was an, a big inspiration for me. Yeah, and this is the one that you'll probably recognize the most people from. Mm-hmm. Like Alton Brown is the commentator, and he's actually considered the host, uh, and. Uh, Mark uh, Dacascos, uh, yeah. is that how you say his name? Yeah. Uh, he he became the new chairman, mm. and in the narrative, because right. he, he's actually a martial artist and like a... An actor, an actor and a martial artist. But in the narrative, <laughs> he is uh, Chairman Kaga's uh, nephew? Yeah, his yeah. nephew. So <laughs> the actors are in no way actually related to one another, <laughs> but they, they pan it out as if... Uh, Chairman Kaga has sent his nephew out to go like establish another kitchen stadium elsewhere in the world, and so like in his family's honor and in his uncle's honor, he has gone and created the American version of kitchen stadium and everything like that. And so they bring in Alton Brown to do the commentary. They bring in the very popular kind of um, chefs that you see on American Food Networks, mm-hmm. and they are the ones who are the. The, the Iron Chefs in this scenario. Yeah, so you have, like, Michael Simon, and you have, like, Bobby Flay, mm-hmm. who's, uh, I mean, I, everybody knows Bobby Flay from a lot of different things. I, I don't know if, like, Gordon Ramsay has ever been on the, he probably has been on the UK version. He's I probably think. on the UK version, and he might have been, like, a challenging chef. They do a lot of that, too, in terms of, like, celebrity pairs and yeah. things like that as the, like, the themes of the challenges and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Like, Giada, was it De La Rentes? Is mm-hmm. that her last name? And Rachel Ray went head-to-head one time on uh, Iron Chef America. They were the they were competing against each other? Yeah, uh, okay. yeah, as, like, a, a special. Right. But then Rachel Ray was like, I, I can't compete with that. I'm a home cook. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, she obviously lost because Giada's, like, a professional cook. Yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy to see how intense they are. And then, again, you can, you can find all the stats for these Iron <laughs> Chefs online. So I get excited about that. But before that, they, these are now new specialties and new types of cuisine are introduced in Iron Chef America. Mm-hmm. So in you know in the Japanese version, it was Iron Chef Japan, Iron Chef France, Iron Chef Italy, and Iron Chef China. Mm-hmm. And then now you're starting to see modern American, Southwestern, you see Latin fusion and other sorts of uh, way different cuisines than you had seen in the, the Japanese version mm-hmm. of the show. You also have a, a lot of... Uh, uh, cycling through Iron Chefs. Mm-hmm. So Bobby Flay was a regular staple on Iron Chef. He was also one of the ones who competed in the original Iron Chef. Yeah. He competed two or three times yeah. against uh, against the Iron Chefs in Japan. Um, but now he becomes an Iron Chef for Iron Chef America, and his specialty is Southwestern. Um, 
but like I said, they, they cycle out through a bunch of different ones, so you'll always have something new to pick from. Yeah. So of the of the American Iron Chefs, Michael Simon has the best win percentage. Mm-hmm. And he's been on for a while. He's been on since season five and beyond. He has an eighty two percent win percentage, which he is he hasn't he hasn't done as many as Bobby Flay. Right. <laughs> Bobby Flay has a lower percentage because he's been in it from the very beginning. He's been in it from the whole time, and he has the most wins. He has 43 wins. He is a beast. Compared to <laughs> Simon's 34. So he's he's edged out nine more wins than Michael Simon. Uh, and Morimoto, the one from Japan, he it has been in it from the very beginning, too. Uh, and he's got a, a 60% uh, win streak. So his his he's kind of you know relatively consistent with his performance before, but... I have to say, his dishes are always, like, some of the most exciting for me to see. He's, like, an artist in terms of the sorts of things that he puts together. He's been doing it for a while. Yeah. <laughs> so, these Iron Chefs, they, it's, it's, this, in terms of the formatting, it's pretty much the same thing as what we saw in the original Japanese version of the show. It's the 60-minute clock to mm-hmm. create the dishes, uh, so they didn't... They didn't test it with the 90-minute double battle like they did in Japan. They, you know, they, they pretty much realized, like, okay, yeah, bring in the challenger. They pick an Iron Chef to battle, reveal a secret ingredient, 60 minutes, battle it out sort of thing. Mm-hmm. There are a couple things that are slightly different. Like, in the Japanese version, they had five minutes to prepare after the secret ingredient is revealed. In the American version, they actually have 45 minutes to, like hash it out, talk with the sous chefs and everything, and none of that is aired. No. It really does look like secret ingredient revealed, and oh my god, they're cooking right away. They, they know just how somehow to do they knew <laughs> what to do. Um, so that's slightly different. Mm-hmm. But they, they also have now five dishes of, yeah. that they are required to do, opposed to just having one. So that 45 minutes kind of gives way to that. So you only have five minutes to discuss, and like one dish is fine. Yeah, so they, they get... Five dishes minimum that they have to prepare for the judges. Again, having to make multiple servings of them so that they can feed everybody mm-hmm. that is responsible for it. And then actually starting in season 11, they started. They needed to shake it up somehow because <laughs> they've been going on for that long that the first course had to be brought to the judges 20 minutes into the timer. So mm-hmm. you had to have something in front of the judges 20 minutes in. And then after that is being after that has been presented the chairman throws in a twist at you and is like, all right, you've been doing good so far, but how do you like some of this? Yeah. <laughs> and he throws in like another ingredient you have to put in or a particular piece of equipment that you need to use or mm-hmm. something like that. It's funny because in, in Competition Kitchen, there is a way that if you actually earn, if you if you win a round, you actually get to hold on to that secret ingredient as a trophy prize or something. Mm-hmm. Um Oh, well, you, you actually, you get the challenge as a trophy, but then you also get the secret ingredient as a second place yeah. prize. And if you can use that secret ingredient later on to kind of sabotage other people's dishes or to use it to affect your own dish. So yeah. this is kind of in that vein to where you can, you can, you can screw somebody up if they're making a super spicy dish and you're like, but you have to use vanilla bean paste or right. something like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. And just like in the Japanese version, it's judged based off of taste, plating, and originality. Uh, but the difference is they actually allow ties in the American version. There's no overtime, sudden death, super battle. <laughs> no, uh, enough time to air that. <laughs> no. They, they accept a tie as is and are fine with that being mm-hmm. the case. So that's that's the American version of the show. Pretty much just like the Japanese version. Super produced. Doesn't quite have the same dramatic undertones in terms of the, the story and the relationship between all the characters. But... The Americans do, like, plenty of smack talk. Like, it's really fun to watch the show, and, like, they'll do some floor commentary, and they'll just be, they'll be talking to one another. And, like, there's crosstalk <laughs> from across the kitchen, and they're just trying to get in each other's heads to slow each other down. I mean, that's just American anything. Right. That's, that's just a, that's a comp- competitive American right hey, there. Exactly. Um, but, yeah, uh, do you have anything else, really? No, that's all I got. Uh, um, it's I, a super fun show, yeah. first of all. So go watch the show. Yeah. But if you if this is interesting to you, if if you like competitive cooking shows, if you like cooking in general, or you know someone who does, Competition Kitchen is right up their alley. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and just I mean, a fun fun little thing, just to give you an idea of the crazy stuff they did. I I, I looked at a little video and it had some like the top 
uh, Iron Chef oh, nice. things or additions to dishes. And one was like mozzarella balloons to where they actually were making helium balloons out of cheese. Wow. Or uh, a pork fat cappuccino to where they actually <laughs> steam the pork fat and use that as milk. Uh, squid ink mustard, which was like a black weird mustard thing. And then they all said like, Red chili ice cream with toasted grasshoppers oh, on yeah. top, which actually sounds I like I probably would eat I'd that. I'd try that. <laughs> you, get, you get some really fascinating dishes out of these chefs because yeah. they're the best for a reason, and they're not going to just make the best steak you've ever had. They're going to make a steak that is prepared on top of like a nest of, like I don't know, it's, gonna, it's just out of this world what they do. And that's the whole point of Competition Kitchen, is you're trying to create these, these really elaborate dishes so you can impress your judges uh, and whoever the judge is. I think I think we played it to where we actually had six people playing, and so um, we were instructed to actually have two judges, which was actually really fun to have yeah. two judges because then the judges can debate and decide what is their best dish, and we actually played it to where the rest of the, the chefs would go off and be in that one little meeting room to where right. they wait for the judge's uh, uh, decision. And so it's it, it really is fun to where you, you, you really do get to create this – this elaborate dish. And sometimes you create a dish in your head and you're like, wow, I, I think I, I can think make I can that make real. That. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I want to make that. I want to make that. Yeah. It inspires you and really makes you want to. It makes uh, you hungry too, makes, playing yeah. that game. Oh, for sure. Um, so, uh, yeah, if you, if you like all that, if you like competition shows, if you like party games, and if you like a little narrative um, to your games, Competition Kitchen's a great game. Go back it on Kickstarter. It's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I know I'm waiting for my copy. It's going to be really great. Um, but yeah, and stay tuned. Uh, we've got uh, an interview with Kevin Reeder. Uh, he's uh, one of the creators of Competition Kitchen, and he'll tell you a little bit more about the game. If you just stay tuned, you can listen to that. That's right. <laughs> well, well, I really love like. Well, let's let's start off sure, by introducing sure. yourself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Here's the, here's yeah. the best part of the podcast: the interview mm-hmm. with uh, world-renowned. <laughs> Kevin Reader. Hi. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I don't know if I've ever been defined that way. Oh, now you are. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah, tell us a little bit about uh, Competition Kitchen. Oh, my gosh. Sure, sure. Um, so, it's a game that uh, me and my co-designer, Joe, have been working on for like 10 months. Um, it is a food competition uh, party game mm-hmm. in a nutshell. So, if you like those shows like Chopped, Master Chef, Iron Chef, this is really a game for you. It sort of feels somewhat like um, like a long-form version of like apples to apples or cards against mm-hmm. humanity. We always talk about that, you know, the game and the fun is not necessarily in the cards, but it's between the cards. Mm-hmm. Totally. It's the storytelling and it's the moments between everything. Like, um, that's a great that's a great yeah. point that you're making because like games like. Cards Against Humanity, which you're very familiar with. Yeah, uh, yeah. As you are the artistic <laughs> director, yeah, correct? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right, that's cards. right. Yeah. Um, but like games like cards, the, the cards are the jokes. Yes. And the cards are the story mm-hmm. to where in this one you do create the story and yes. you're just given the tools to create, which I love. I ah, love yeah. that. Thank it's, you. Yeah. That, that whole narrative aspect is what I think really makes this game shine. Oh, cool. when, you, when, you pit it, when you do put it head-to-head against other party games where it's really... Everyone mm. is building a totally different story, and everybody also approaches the story building very differently. Yeah. Like when Mike and I were playing this, we were playing it like we were actually cooking it, and then we popped over to another test table, and they're all in character <laughs> with accents. They've got backstories for all their dishes. It's and it's that element that is so so cool to me. <laughs> and both were oh. a blast. Yeah, to play. yeah, oh, both ways. Awesome, man. Like that's that's really warming to hear because sometimes that's a thing, you know, like. Let me peel back the curtain a little bit, too, while we talk about it. Like, that's a thing you worry about when you design games. You're like, are we creating an experience that is well enough defined, or are we leaving it open enough in a good way? Because, like, D&D, really anybody can take it anywhere they want. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, are we delivering on the expectations that we set up with the game design? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um I don't know. I we'll think so. We'll I mean, I, I, okay, we, cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, we all right. It. And, I, and, cool. It, and it, it gives just enough of that freedom too, where people do are going to take it in those different directions, like we Ooh. just talked about, it. and that's so cool. Everyone yeah. is still enjoying the core of Competition Kitchen, but at the same time, everyone is throwing in their own flavor of it. It's, mm-hmm. it's really and, and it makes it unique to your group that you are playing with. Yeah, which is totally. Really kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And what's nice, I think, that even if you were to take it to another group, it would introduce a new kind of flavor, mm-hmm. no pun intended, to oh, yeah. another a lot group. of those. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> to another group, uh-huh. which is uh, definitely a lot of fun. Yeah, I think like um, 
the thing about party games, and we should always, we should definitely hit this point really, really hard. If you're not fun people, <laughs> you're not going to have fun playing party games. Yeah, that's true. There, I don't think there is a party game out there that is going to make somebody who is a wet noodle like become fun all of a sudden. Yeah, like, that's really hard. Because mm. um, I've seen it. I've seen it. It's like I've seen a group of like five friends, and four of them are like having a great time, and mm-hmm. there's one person who's just like. I don't like stuff. <laughs> like, like stuff, in like general. anything. It's talking worst. is the worst. I don't yeah. want to talk. Yeah, it's like you—you you really do just want to roll dice and yeah. move pieces, yeah. and like that's the experience you want to have with a game, which and, like, is great. You want to win, do that. yeah, totally. And yeah. I love that too. So you mentioned you've been working yeah. on this for ten months. Then. Yeah. So what what was the inspiration mm. then? Like, what brought mm. you two together mm. to create? Because you've you've created a game before, yep. and so yep. now. This is the second go at it, and what, so what inspired Competition Kitchen in the first place? Sure, I mean, uh, a love of food food shows, definitely. Mm-hmm. The inspiration really was those shows. So, like, we're sitting down, and, like, you know, we kind of just discovered we both loved different food cooking shows, and, like, I was watching, I was binge-watching a, month of, a bunch of uh, No Reservations with oh, okay. Anthony Bourdain. Great <laughs> show. <laughs> Right, he's incredible. Yeah. Oh my God, what a great dude! <clears throat> Let's interview him next. Yeah, that would be great. Right? Please, can I <laughs> sit you can over here? Yeah. yeah, I won't say a word. Sure, <laughs> sure. Great. We'll pretend you're a statue. <laughs> uh-huh. <on> the <laughs> uh, and and I was watching a lot of that. And so my background is uh, I have a master's degree in theater uh, from the University of Illinois, and before that. Um, I got a degree in anthropology and economics, and I worked as an archaeologist for a little while, and I've worked in museums throughout my my time. And what I've found is that I really love storytelling, and that's really the connective tissue between it all. And Mm -hmm. it's like taking stories of people who are living or deceased or whatever, representing voices that can't represent themselves anymore, or helping other people experience stories in really interesting and fun ways. And so no reservations like it takes that cultural anthropology to the nth degree you get a really cool lens of anthony bourdain and i was like man i love this how can i make a thing that like recreates this type of experience for somebody else that like if you're living wherever in omaha nebraska and like you're not gonna go to thailand and make these cool dishes or whatever but maybe we can help build a way to like get people to be able to do something similar to that yeah um and so that was like the real spark of genesis of the show it really i mean are the games playing playing the game for the show <laughs> yeah. yeah you made we no call it a show. <laughs> yeah, we, we call well we call the game like sort of a show as well it's so, true yeah. yeah it totally yeah. is and after researching because we re- researched iron chef for mm. our podcast nice. and, uh, and that's it. It really it? just creates this show aspect, and so when you're playing the game, mm-hmm. it really is yeah. a show. You're, these judges are are the ones you have to impress. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and people do take on those characters oh, too, and yeah. it's, it's fantastic. You you fall right into your role, <laughs> and you're like, "This is gonna be me. I'm the, you know, I'm the late night chef who's great <laughs> yeah. at making snacks, and so that's gonna be my thing yeah. for this whole round, sort of." You really like that's and that's what we love about it is that it feels so lived in already that we know culturally it's like a game of today, right? Yeah. Like thirty years ago this game wouldn't happen. Thirty years from now, who knows? You know what I mean? But like right now it feels very timely in a lot of cool ways, which is exciting it to makes us. you want to cook too. It really yes. does. <laughs> I'm really glad to hear you guys say that. It's like, a secondary goal. For sure. And like, and when you get those ingredients and you're like, okay, I'm familiar with these ingredients. <laughs> uh-huh. Like for the most part, like there are some ones that I'm like, I have no idea what that is. But mm-hmm. I can imagine a dish that if I don't get too crazy with it in my in my uh-huh. gameplay, I'm like, oh yeah, I think I, think I, I could really make that. <laughs> I could go and make this. And, you know, I, I don't know, it's, it's like a hopeful goal that, you know, if you can build enough community and interest in the game, we've got ideas of things that we would love to do if there's mm-hmm. interest. But it's like, hey, we got to get it in enough people's hands sure. to see if a community, you know, creates itself out of it. But, like, we'd love to take the stories of the dishes that people make and, like, see if we can't actually create them into recipes and like oh, print them like out a in like a, a yeah. yeah totally man yeah oh, yeah, yeah man i love that um, idea. maybe yeah. like the real ones and the fake ones right. who knows i don't we don't know yet yeah. but 
even from the hundred or whatever times we've played, it's like, man, I wish we had a had a nice recording setup and just recorded <laughs> all of these stories that people told us because there's such such hilarious things that have happened, you know, <laughs> yeah. and such and and also delicious things. I wish I could go and make again. <laughs> I, I get hu- I got hungry playing the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Playing it, I was like, you will. Oh man, I really yeah. should have had some food before we came here. This uh-huh. is it's like torture now. Yeah. Yeah. We gotta order the food before you start playing. Yeah, yeah And absolutely. by the time the food shows up, you're going to have a really great time. You're gonna, it's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, thank God the food is here. <laughs> so you mentioned that it's sort of a secondary goal to yeah. inspire people to cook. Do you cook yeah. then? Are you, no, you, no. No, not I'm at all. all. <laughs> no, no. I love, I mean, we all love food. And right. like living here in Chicago is awesome. We have such rich cultural diversity and like such different food scenes that are happening here mm-hmm. from like, the best street food type tacos to like the craziest like three Michelin star yeah like things places we'll probably never eat but it's like that range is so cool so yeah big inspiration there see why I think you made the game so other people cook for you right Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I, I do enjoy cooking and like when I carve out the time and like I don't want to pretend like I'm a good cook or anything like that, but it's it's one of those things. Like, I wish I made more time for it as well. Mm-hmm. I yeah. want I want to do some like competition kitchen potluck dinners and things like that mm. where people come together. You get your ingredients ahead of time and then <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm hoping okay. so. <laughs> uh-huh. so um, three random ingredients in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> so we yeah. we researched Iron Chef. For, oh. for like as the theme of this for the podcast that, related to this that was game. Joe's big inspiration too he grew up on that are you yeah. an Iron Chef fan at all I do you follow I've the seen show? A, quite a handful of episodes I can't say that I've ever been like a you know a dedicated sure. watcher of it but yeah as a fan of TV shows is there a particular chef that you uh, are take inspiration from or well. that you that you appreciate the most other I mean Anthony <laughs> Bourdain you mentioned <laughs> right he's, yeah hands he's down king Anthony amongst Bourdain. them all yeah um, you know, the chefs that, it's it's people who have strong conviction and they bring a lot of themselves to the food mm-hmm. that they make. And one of the contributors to the game that I didn't know of before and a friend had turned me on onto him is uh, 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 J. Kenji Lopez-Alt. And, like, he does such incredible work. Um, like, if you guys are interested in food and, totally. and that sort of stuff, he does incredible, incredible work. And he... He's a person that like stands for things, you know what I mean, and that's really really nice to get that out of food. So he does a thing called um, the Food Lab and Serious Eats, and if there if you're gonna get like one cookbook, mm-hmm. um, he made a cookbook called the Food Lab, and it is like the most scientific break. It's like how to cook for idiots, but it doesn't make you feel like an idiot. <laughs> that's cool. You know, that's really nice. <laughs> yeah. So he'll like. Like, say you want to hard-boil an egg. What he does is, like, there's this whole section about how to hard-boil an egg, and he will show you every step along the way of, like, this is a soft boil, this is a medium boil, and there's, like, a photo. And it's like, oh, did this happen to your egg? This is where you went wrong. (laughs) And, like... That's really nice to have that, like, breakdown, like, the step-by-step like that. Because Mm -hmm. oftentimes I'll be reading a recipe, and there's a lot of room between steps where, like, oh, a lot of things can go wrong here, and I don't know exactly what I might have messed up at that point. Or, like, they mention a certain way of making something, and and you're Mm -hmm. like, and they're like, well, just make a meringue. And you're like, "Uh, how do I do that again? And sure, you can go and look it up, but, like... Usually you look it up and it's like they tell you, but they never go into step by step. And it's mm-hmm. nice. That sounds really cool. I'll have well, to cook it up. Cooking is, you know, generationally speaking, it's been very passed down. You mm-hmm. know, you'd spend time with a parent or a family member or someone in the kitchen, and you would learn these things. So if you like look back at like old cookbooks um, from like uh, church groups. <laughs> <laughs> from like yeah. the 50s it is that it's like make a meringue you know right. and like now make your pie crust yeah well wait a minute <laughs> right. I, what, what's in a pie crust hold on a second uh-huh. right so we have this whole generation that's grown up on like fast food yeah. and frozen meals and pop tarts and all of that stuff and so we've forgotten yes, <laughs> how so to true. make an egg right and so it takes people like Kenji to be like 
nobody knows how to make an egg anymore. <laughs> Your mom doesn't know how to make an egg the right way. I right. love my mom. She's not a great cook. <laughs> I, I, she makes a, a, quite a handful of things very, very well that I love. But if I were like, Mom, how do I make X? She's not an encyclopedia of sure. knowledge. Like, you know, maybe, maybe parents mm. from you know, another generation before her, they may know even more than that. Yeah. So, mm. That's Love you, Mom. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> She'll be listening to this. I know it. <laughs> so one thing I was actually curious about mm-hmm. is uh, what are some of your favorite games beyond Competition Kitchen? Because mm-hmm. obviously it's one of your favorite games. <laughs> but what are, uh-huh, it's the only game I play. <laughs> what are, what are uh-huh. some other games that you like to play or the... Mm-hmm. Or that maybe you even take inspiration from? Or yeah. what are some games that you have your eye on that you really like mm, to try out? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I love talking about D&D. Only because I didn't start playing until... I'm 34 now, and maybe five or six years ago was the first time I'd ever played. Mm. Um, and so I love talking about that sort of experience of where we're at now with gamers. Because I grew up in a small town... It was just sometimes you're just exposed to what other right. people around you are are doing, and yeah. so I did a lot of comedy in the city. And a, a good friend of mine, Chris Geiger, who's like, I want to play D and D, and I'm like, I don't know how to play, but yes, <laughs> I will do that. And to be able to like be introduced to that later in life and in such a rich way, like that game for me has a lot of has a lot of meaning mm-hmm. uh, in a way that like. It, it, there's other games that I obviously love, but and like I'm like, oh yeah, this game's fun. <laughs> um, but that has like a lot, a really rich storied history for yeah. me now, and it kind of brought me back to games in a cool way and uh, exploring meaningful friendships in a whole nother way. That like, sure. oh right, we get to goof together. It's, yeah, it's probably really nice being introduced at s- such a later age because yeah. like you think about it, if you're ever introduced to that at a younger age or if you ever experienced that, a lot of the times it's very uh, judged and <laughs> oh, in, in younger yeah. communities. Like you're instantly labeled as a dork, a geek, a nerd mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so so quickly. I mean, yeah. we, we played games very similar to Dungeons & Dragons, like yeah. uh, Dragon Strike was a <laughs> real dulled down version of it, but nice. we got really into it and sure enough, there were certain people that we wouldn't talk about it with because we knew we'd probably get beat oh, up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't bring the books to the lunch right. table. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Do not play at school, I even had, though you should be able to. Yeah, no I had no idea yeah. that you were that you role played or that you that you played role playing games. Yeah, before. not enough anymore. But again, mm-hmm. I want to get back and play more and more. Specifically, D and D. Do you branch out and play any other role playing games? Uh, I've not played nearly enough. Okay, I so. asked because he's a huge. We'll talk. After this okay, interview, okay. because cool, cool, cool. Cool. this will be a two-hour interview if I don't stop myself right now. Shut up! I got you. Uh, I'm very open to playing more stuff. It's like what what's hard now is you know time is more sure. precious. The older you get, it's like you choose things and paths and, and avenues to go down, and like what do you make time for? And it's like, well, I'd love to make more time for you know role-playing games in my life and stuff like that, but I'm like. I know I can't commit to an open-ended campaign with friends that, like, will potentially never end. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that gets very, very hard. We all start having lives in different mm. ways. Where Everyone's it's like, got different schedules. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tough. We've got a bi-weekly one going yeah. on now. But awesome. it's, it's tough. It's tough to do. Like, yeah. to keep it going. When just one person doesn't show up, it's like, and then well, we like, can't play. Yeah. But yeah. you can, but you can't. Yeah. So, like, one, one-off campaign. One-shots like, are great. One night, yeah. I, I'm actually a big, big fan of those. Yeah. And you've written a couple. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Uh, nice. Again, we can. I'll, 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 uh, I'll, uh, I'll tell you all about it afterwards. So, well, let me let yeah. me speak to why all another reason why I love like Competition Kitchen is because what I think we've done, hopefully, fingers crossed, is we've designed something that is accessible enough that like let's say you have friends that you want to bring into a role playing game mm-hmm. that like hey, let's play this game. It's about food. And you're going to create a dish. And next thing you know is you've got somebody improvising and telling stories yep. and living in an alternate world that they're not used to living in. And then you're like, remember when we played that one game about food and how right. much fun you had? Let me give you a character sheet. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to add a couple more components. Uh, yeah. Just a couple. Just a couple. Yeah, if they yeah. just eat it up, pun intended, like they'll, they'll like, for real. Like, yeah. And you can see that. And you can, mm-hmm. you can know that from a fun person 
if they're like playing those party mm-hmm. games, if they're willing to go the extra mile for that, that next they spot. probably will go the extra mile for our RPG yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I cut you off. Oh yeah, no, yeah. I was just saying. So you yeah. got you got the Kickstarter's got about a week mm-hmm. left at this yeah. point in time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what are you? What are you kind of hoping to accomplish in the next couple of days? Do you have any cool things or events or anything coming up? Yeah. Or that people should keep an eye out or ear for out for? Sure, for sure, for sure. Uh, we're going to do a, a live stream actually on Saturday oh, um, cool. with a good friend of mine. He's um, His name's Abdallah, and he runs a Nintendo stream, and he's been curious about, like, oh, maybe I should open my stream up to, like, board games. Would that be cool? And so we're going to try it out. Is he going to be on on Twitch? Is that the... Uh, He's mostly YouTube. Oh, okay. Mostly YouTube. Um, So we're going to do that. Does Uh, he have a handle that we could, that somebody could find, or a page, or... uh, it is a little bit more specific than I can remember right now. I think we can add it to the show. Yeah, we'll, yeah, add, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll add it to, add the, it to the show notes. Yeah, for like, sure. Yeah, 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 for so sure. So if you're interested, we'll, check I'll, it out in the notes. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you a link. Um, uh, Going to do a couple more live events at some cool restaurants. Um, there's the D-Men Tap over on um, California and Belmont. Mm-hmm. So we're teaming up on... Uh, uh, Sunday with a couple of food people over there, and we're gonna like play a game night with a bunch of them. Awesome. Um, Wednesday we're going down to Maria's down in Bridgeport. We're gonna do a oh game night. Oh my god, I love Maria's. Nice. That place Come is on. so amazing. Yeah, I've never been to Bridgeport yeah. ever. <laughs> Maria's is yeah. my jam. I had a yeah. buddy who used to live real close to Maria's, and we'd go there all the time. Oh. Their their beer selection is nice. Unparalleled. <laughs> uh, it's Wednesday. That one's on Wednesday. Okay. So they have a, a weekly game night on Wednesday. So that's oh, really I'm penciling that in right yeah. now. To my I mean, yeah. Well, how many people show up to that? I I will let you know on Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping a lot. Uh, I, from what they've told me, it depends on the night and what's mm-hmm. going on. Like any night, you know. Yeah. Um, weather is always a yeah, question or. mark when you live in Chicago. It's like, if it's raining, nobody's <laughs> coming out. That. If it's cold, nobody's coming out. If it's too nice, everybody's outside. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so it's like this fun middle yeah. ground where they're like, yeah, we're going to Maria's! Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, that's a couple of things. Um, uh, a couple of other things that if they pan out, cool. I'll let sure. you know. All right. All right. <laughs> I'm Sounds hoping they good. do. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. That's well, great. yeah. I mean, good luck to you in your Kickstarter. Thank I've, you. I've got my copy reserved. I'm yeah, really excited. I'm back. Yeah. Thank ready. you, fellas. I appreciate that. Yeah. It'll be really, really fun. I know. I mean, it's also like if you know somebody, and we mentioned this in the podcast, but if you know somebody who who mm. cooks, it's a fantastic gift yeah. too. Yeah. Like it's yeah. an introduction, like you said, to a party game. It's an introduction mm-hmm. to any of board games, really, mm-hmm. and and yeah. it's. It'll, it'll be a lot of fun, yeah. for sure. I can't wait for my family to play it. I know they'll have a blast. Nice. <laughs> cool. Thank you. Yeah, well, thanks uh, thanks a ton for coming in, Kevin. Any, anything else? Oh, great. <laughs> awesome. Uh, happy Cinco de Mayo. Yeah! Well, I hope you learned something from that, uh, that interview. I know we did. <laughs> and it was always fun talking to Kevin. Yeah, he's, he's a great guy. He's an absolute blast. Uh, but thanks for listening to Beyond the Board. Uh, if you like uh, anything you heard, or if you have any questions, comments, or if you want to send us what your favorite dish is or a recipe, we'd be willing to cook it, or, or I'll if make you Spencer want to cook challenge it. Challenge me to an Iron Chef battle. Oh. I accept all challengers. Oh, that would be absolutely wonderful. Uh, you can email us at beyondtheboardpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or Instagram at goingbtb. That's goingbtb for Beyond the Board, or BTB for. Uh, balloons that baste. There you go. Sure, you're basting balloons. That's probably been in an Iron Chef battle (laughs) Most likely. And now, as the chairman of the American Iron, or Iron Chef America would say, so now, America, with an open heart and an empty stomach, I say unto you in the words of my uncle, I like cuisine!